Greetings, everyone. Welcome to One True Pod, the Athletics' new Big 12 football podcast. I am Oklahoma beat writer Jason Kersey. I am joined today, as I will be all season, by national writer Max Olson, uh, who has covered the Big 12 extensively for several years. Max, we're finally doing this. We're finally doing this. Wow, they let us have a podcast. Yeah, they did. What were they thinking? For whatever reason. We'll try to limit the Always Sunny in Philadelphia talk, but as best we can. Um, But no, this is an interesting year, Max. I I think we're going to have... I mean... there, there's going to be a lot of that, right? There's going to be Sunny. There's going to be Seinfeld. There's going to be Curb. We, we can't control ourselves. Is this just a TV podcast? Um, it may, it may drift into that on, uh, on the weaker weeks of the schedule. We'll see. <laughs> well, this isn't one of the weaker weeks of the schedule because this is the first week of the Big Twelve schedule. Uh, it, it's been a, an interesting year so far for the Big Twelve. Max, uh, outside of Oklahoma and Texas. Oh, it, it has been, uh, what's the word is alarming too, too strong of a word right now to I don't use, know, man. I, I, I think that is too strong of a word because I'm sitting here today and I am just counting my blessings, man. Like, it's just amazing. We've made it this far. No, kidding. like right before we started taping this Houston got another game canceled. Uh, Arkansas state got another game canceled or took another week off. Um, I mean, and, and we're going to talk about this Big 12 schedule, and we're going to hope that, you know, they, they've got five games scheduled. Hope they go five for five and playing them. But it's crazy, man. It's I'm, I'm just thankful we actually made it. Uh, there will be games this weekend. And, uh, you know, could be could be worse, Jason. This could be a, a Pac-12 podcast. Totally. And, and honestly, man, uh, being at the Oklahoma-Missouri State game two weeks ago, it was a terrible game. It was just an awful game, really, in terms of just the football. But it's also one of my favorite games I've ever covered because it actually yeah. happened. And I didn't think it was going to there for a while. And I think that we should probably like give the Big 12 some credit here because they I, – I thought, and I don't know what you thought, it certainly seemed after the Big 10 and Pac-12 shut down – like the Big 12 might follow suit and uh, like the other leagues might. And I'm so glad that they didn't because uh, I, I was – those few days were pretty rough. Uh, I, I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah. It was a fascinating time. You think back to people were kind of framing the Big 12 as this linchpin where if their presidents had gotten squeamish about how everything was going and said, hey, the Big 10 and Pac-12 probably are onto something here and then shut it down – that that very well may have shut down the ACC and SEC as well, you know. And uh, so, you know, the Big 12 doesn't get a ton of credit for anything, usually, Jason, nationally. But I think they deserve it for how Bob Bullsby and the, the league's leadership has handled this so far, man. I mean, holding out and, and hoping that, uh, you know, you could pull off camp and that the testing stuff would improve over time um, and, and just trying to stay patient. I mean, certainly – it's paid off in getting this far. Yeah, and I mean, it hasn't been perfect. Obviously, there have been some some games that have been canceled. TCU and Baylor still haven't played um, here, uh, entering big uh, the first weekend of Big Twelve play. Yeah, um, and, and Oklahoma came awfully close, uh, I think, to not being able to play against Missouri State. Uh, you you watched that game from the press box, watching them warm up. There were dozens of guys missing, uh, including a lot of key starters. So um, this this has not been perfect, but it's not going to be perfect. And I think people yeah. need to remember that. The, the games that have been canceled so far will not be the last games that are canceled. No, it's true. That's why, uh, again, it's like, got to tip your cap to the Big 12 that they actually set up a schedule with that understanding that there is going to be this chaos and to, hey, put two bye weeks into the schedule, maybe three, uh, depending on the the conference title game, and give them some room to move stuff around. Because as we've seen with, I mean, shoot, the Big Ten now is pushed into the situation where they're not going to have any weeks off. And, um, you know, who knows what the Pac-12 will figure out. But at least, you know, SEC doesn't have that kind of room to adjust. You know, the Big 12... We'll see how it goes. Hopefully there aren't so many games moved around and postponed that it's just completely, you know, wacky every week, but gives them a chance to get through a lot of games. And, you know, it's as as you said, too, like just the quality of play, that conversation, I think, is going to continue here in the weeks ahead. I think we're just going to have to get used to the fact that, like, you know, sometimes the team's going to lose and they're going to say, well, we were missing these 10 players. 
but like so is the other side you know like it's just gonna come with it every week right it's all it's all gonna even out <laughs> at some point but i i really thought it was interesting what you just said about the big 10 they they really do have no room for error no room for makeup games i i mean are we gonna be looking Dude, they're, at the they're gonna the quarantine their players for 21 days too that like, part i mean yeah it's just i mean wild. what's the point of even doing this almost like that's you, almost you, what it yeah like. they said they set it up in a way that it's you know they can pound their chest that it's like the smartest and safest way to go but it's also going to make it the hardest to actually play the games and look as we've seen for the past few weeks uh you know it's it's just hard to pull off it's just it's just hard to pull off for every program and you know, even in the case of, of Houston and Baylor last week, um, you know, Houston's still very upset about it because they did everything right. They got, you know, they had no positive tests on their team as of last Friday. But sometimes it falls apart because it, it's, you know, it doesn't work on the opponent side. And that's just the the really, really challenging thing. And, you know, fortunately, the Big 12 hasn't had too much of it so far. Yeah. I mean, you they're not a big 12 team, but you got to feel bad for Houston, man. They yeah. had a, have another game canceled today. What is this? Five. Is this five games that have been postponed or canceled? Is that right? Yeah. I also don't know that they're going to be a big 12 member anytime soon with the way they've been picking fights with, with Baylor here. Yeah. I'm sure the conference <laughs> notices that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's brutal. I mean, in this, you, they you have know, every Jason right to from, be frustrated. They do. Sure, and you, you know, Jason, from when this thing started back on June 15th, when these guys went back to campus, like, from, from covering Sooners camp, like these guys have been working really, really hard um, for the past few months to try and make this thing possible. And, you know, Houston just keeps drawing the short straw on this of, of not being able to play their opponents backing out on them and stuff. And so, um, yeah, it's you, you, I, like Dana Holgerson's worried about losing his team because they've been going for eight, nine weeks of practice and they have no games to, to show for it. So it's if you're in the Big 12 and you're getting close to playing this weekend, like Win or lose, you got to, like I said, kind of count your blessings that you actually get to play. And I, and you heard that from Chris Kleiman when they lost Arkansas State. He's like, I'm disappointed we lost, but I'm not disappointed that we actually got to play. Sure, totally. Um, on that note, I think it'd probably be good. Uh, let's, let's get into some of those early non-conference losses because uh, they were pretty shocking. I mean, I don't think that it's... I, I, I don't know that I would describe Arkansas State, Kansas State as shocking because Arkansas State has been a really good group of five team for a long time. Um, Louisiana has too, but man, I really had high hopes for Iowa State this year. And I'm not saying that they're totally dashed, but I thought they were going to be a lot better than that. And, um, is this yeah, just what they I, do at the beginning of every season? Well, let, let me let me update you where, where we're at from sitting riding passenger seat on the bandwagon for the Cyclones here. It's... Okay. Uh, Boy, it's tough. Um, <laughs> last last couple of years, you know, the, the pieces have been coming together for them, but they just haven't figured out how to put it together in September. You know, you see all the upsets in Big 12 play in October, um, but they've just continued to kind of stumble in September's, and that includes, you know, playing the Iowa game, which they don't have to do this year. So, um, you know, Matt Campbell's the kind of guy who's not going to make a ton of excuses about it. And look, Louisiana's in the top 25 right now. Like, they're a good program. Billy Napier's done an awesome job. And he is certainly fast tracked to being a, a head coach here in the SEC at some point. But um, yeah, that's a that's a tough one for Iowa State to bounce back from when they really do believe that they have a really really good team that can can contend for a Big Twelve title. And and look, they still can. The, the losing to Louisiana doesn't take you out of that. But um, it's a that's a tough that's a tough stumble to start off. Max, that's the thing about Iowa State that confuses me every single year is I always think they're going to be a top 25 team. I always label them as a Big 12 potential spoiler. And then they lose two or three times in September, and then they go beat Oklahoma and I, or play them really close. I just mm-hmm. don't understand this program. I, I, I know that you've spent a lot more time around them than I have, but I just don't understand this program. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's really, really hard to have the depth of – Oklahoma or Texas at Iowa State, you know, so they've done a really good job of recruiting um, and developing some high-end players at Iowa State led by by Brock Purdy, obviously, but um, just the depth has not been a thing in the past few years that, that it's that's just, that's just what's made it tough to kind of make that next jump, and uh, I kind of felt like it was heading in that direction this year. Maybe it still is, you know. Um, it's funny with the way this season's gone that those games feel like a long time ago, you know. Doesn't Missouri State feel like a long time ago at this point for you? Yeah, it, it totally does. <laughs> so, it, it you know, does. maybe these teams reset a bit after 
non-conference play and um you know for Iowa State like you're 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 going to TCU for this first one here and that's we'll, we'll get into our picks later on but yeah what a great first test of are you are you legit or or are you um you know are you going to have some stumbles here and that's that's same for TCU man I think that's a pretty fun matchup yeah, me too. Uh, that's actually, I think, probably the best game of the weekend. Uh, I'm not even sure that there's a question about that, that it's the best game of the weekend. Um, let's talk about Oklahoma State from last weekend, because that's another team that I have been very high on all uh, offseason. And mm-hmm. I mean, and with good reason. They bring back a ton of defensive starters. They have Chubal, uh, I almost said Chuba Wallace, Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace. You mm-hmm. know, whatever. It's like a Brangelina thing. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then they go out against Tulsa, and I mean, even when Spencer Sanders was in the game, they weren't very impressive. And then after that, it, I mean, geez, if it, if it's not for for that freshman quarterback, they they would have been in real trouble. Yeah, you know it. It's it's hard not to have kind of an extreme reaction to to that one. The defense played terrific, and uh, you know if they'd played a better opponent, they probably could have lost that game. Um, that that defense definitely stepped up. Um, and you saw the experience and the, that they just kept getting stop after stop. And, and certainly you don't take that for granted uh, at Oklahoma State. You know, when you know you have that offensive firepower, um, it's taken Jim Knowles, you know, a couple of years to build to this point with what they've got. I still really like that defense. Um, but, you know, that it's still Tulsa. And uh, I think the offensive line issues you saw in that game are a little bit concerning. Um, I think. Tulsa did a really good job of, of kind of getting being ready for Chuba Hubbard. Um, and I think, you know, stopped him on first downs, did a nice job. LD Brown breaking out, I think was really important for them and to kind of balance him out. Um, and then we don't, you know, as, as it stands today, we don't really have a great sense of uh, the status of Spencer Sanders. Um, Mike Gundy said Monday, they're going to put him in a boot. They'll take him out of a boot, um, you know, beginning middle of the week here and, and see where he's at. So um, really curious to see, if they can get him, you know, if he can feel healthy enough to play uh, this week against West Virginia, or, you know, if you go with the freshman Shane Illingworth, who, you know, very small sample there of the fourth quarter of that game, but, but you know, definitely showed some nice ability. I think they can win with Shane Illingworth. I, I really do. And now I don't know if they can beat Oklahoma with him. I don't know if they can be a Big 12 contender with him, but they can, I think they can win several games with that guy. And, and down the road, I think he looks like he could be, uh, a really good player, but, um, and, and the other thing that I wonder, Max, and, and this is something that you don't know what caused that performance from that Oklahoma state team. Was it, was it the COVID and was it a bunch of players having to miss time? Was it all the time off? Uh, or w- in Oklahoma state's case, was it the stuff that happened over the summer? I mean, that's, I, I don't see how that stuff couldn't, wouldn't affect things a little bit. Uh, I, I don't know if it's fair to to blame it all on that, but I, I do wonder. Oh, and you've got a new coordinator too. There. Yeah, yeah, I mean you've got a new offensive coordinator too, and in Casey Dunn, and I think he's done a really great job there with their receivers. But that's a transition for them too, going into your first game. And so, um, yeah, I think it's uh, probably just a sign overall um, that it's just still a work in progress there. I think they, you know, it was interesting. Like Mike Gundy was in a pretty light, fun mood on Monday. He was not. Um, you know, really down after how they played against Tulsa. I think he understood that. All right, this was just sort of a first audition, and uh, you know, we'll 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 bounce back from it. But um, yeah, I'm certainly I'm with. I know what you're saying there. I'm I'm certainly curious to see how that whole deal continues to play out between him and Chuba Hubbard and the and the team there. Do you feel like they've made progress, or are they going to have some bumps in the road here? But still, a super talented team, but. You know, there's definitely some some moments in the Tulsa game where you're like, "Whoa, this is not where I thought Oklahoma State would be for game one." Yeah, no, uh, definitely, definitely not. Um, well, uh, it, it, as long as we're continuing to talk about uh, the teams that had disappointing performances, uh, we should probably cover Kansas State, which has a huge matchup this weekend in Norman against Oklahoma. Uh, K- Kansas State beat Oklahoma last year in Manhattan. Was a pretty surprising. Win their the, signature the best, win for yeah one of the best me. Big Twelve games of the year last year you know? totally signature win for Chris 
Kleiman's first year, who I really like him. I, mm-hmm. I think that he was a great hire for them. Uh, I think they got it right this time in replacing Bill Snyder, maybe unlike uh, the first time that they replaced Bill Snyder. But I, I still really believe that Kansas State can be a threat. And I think this point spread is crazy. 27 and a half points. I know we'll get to picks later. That pick, yeah. that that point spread is crazy. I don't care that they lost Arkansas State. Uh, I, I don't care how good we think Oklahoma is. Oklahoma, for them to beat Kansas State by 27 points, 28 points, that just doesn't seem likely to me. It just doesn't. No, I agree. Um, that would, you know, that would really, I think, I mean, sometimes you don't know what Vegas knows that we don't know, right? I mean, it's, you know, Chris Kleiman has said that they've, you know, they've dealt with some issues in terms of their numbers um, in the past couple of weeks. He said he's, at the beginning of the week, he's cautiously optimistic about where they're at. Um but I would think it would have to be a pretty depleted Kansas State team to lose by four touchdowns. I mean, there's a you know as I as we all learned uh, with what happened in, when the Sooners went to Manhattan last year, like there's a reason why Chris Kleiman has got a lot of rings, man. Like he's a really good coach, good staff. Um, I think what they do, the way they play, um, is a, is a nice challenge to everybody in the Big Twelve, and I would think that that that's a big bounce back opportunity for them to play a really competitive game. Yeah, and, and when that game last year too, I mean, that was before Lincoln Riley and, and Jalen Hurts had really figured out how to combine Jalen Hurts running with Kennedy Brooks running and keeping Trey Sermon involved. They hadn't really figured any of that out yet. No, I was uh, it was a, and that was a defensive collapse in that game. I mean, total that too. Yeah, what that, that, I mean, that you too. know what that game reached in the third quarter there. Um, I mean, it's you know <laughs> that put them in a big old hole. You know. You started to think, okay, maybe Alex Grinch isn't the miracle worker we thought he was. And maybe he's not a miracle worker, but he did do a great job last year. That was just yep. not a good game. That was just not a good game for them. Yeah, where um, do you think Oklahoma's yeah. at with that one? I mean, it's, you know, I'm not I'm sure they're not too driven by revenge on something like that, but they have that has to be an important game to them. We'll be back to one true pod after this quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The thing about Oklahoma is, and people who follow the team closely know this, they are, they're usually good for one inexplicable loss a year. One loss that, taken singularly, does not make a whole lot of sense. Kansas State last year was, uh, was obviously that game. I, I think several times over the last several years, Texas has been that game where it didn't seem like it should have, Oklahoma should have lost to Texas and they found a way to, to lose to them anyway. Iowa State a few years ago was that game. There's always a kind of a game like that, and I think they're. But it, but it, but but asterisks. It's almost never the same game two years in a row. Uh, they don't lose to the same opponent twice in a row. So I would not expect them to lose to Kansas State, but um, but I do think it'll be a tough game for them. Lincoln Riley doesn't really play into the whole revenge thing, at least publicly, and the players don't. That's just not something that they really talk about publicly much, but I do imagine it's something they talk about behind the scenes, only because, again, they so rarely lose to the same team uh, twice in a row. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and and certainly the, the one look we got at Oklahoma, um, I mean, and, and what Spencer Rattler can do, uh, I think you saw pretty quickly why people around around the program there would would drop little hints that this dude has got some, you know, Patrick Mahomes level raw ability. Mm-hmm. He does. I mean, and uh, to to quickly plug my story to uh, that published, we're recording this on Wednesday today on the Athletic about Spencer Rattler. I think the thing watching him throw uh, two weeks ago to me was it's just how. Uh, effortless it looked. I mean, it really was a flick of the wrist and the ball seemed to go 50 yards. So um, I was really fascinated by that and dug into it. It's it's very interesting stuff about just the way that this guy uh, has trained his body and gotten his mechanics so down to a science that he can make throws from just about any position he's in because he has 
mastered his body like that. And it's it's a very interesting subject, and it's one of those things you don't really think about, especially at Oklahoma where quarterbacks have made it look so easy for so long. But I'm not sure anyone has made throwing look as easy as Spencer Rattler did two weeks ago. And I say that even knowing about Baker and Kyler. I, I, well, I and, and keep in mind, I mean, there's still, you know, a long road ahead for this dude in terms of, I mean, he's still just a retro freshman. I mean, we're going right. to get to see him get so much better. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's really no telling how good this guy can be. And then, you know, just to uh, aggravate the rest of the conference a little bit more next year, they bring in Caleb Williams, another five-star quarterback that everybody thinks is going to be an all-star They've really got it rolling <laughs> there at quarterback, so uh, probably pretty scary uh, for the rest of the league. Yeah, I mean, based on just that, I mean, look, we shouldn't shouldn't put a whole lot of stock in in the Bobby Petrino led Missouri State football program, but why not? I don't know, man. The raw talent there, like you think Spencer could definitely be a three and out kind of kind of dude, you know? Yeah, right. Um, but no, I mean, Oklahoma. I thought I thought it was a good first game for them. I mean, you had. You had Rattler looking really, really, really strong, uh, like he's going to carry that on. Uh, mm-hmm. You had some really nice flashes from guys like Marvin Mims and Seth McGowan, true freshmen. Definitely. And you know they're going to need help at running back because they Trey Sermon transferred. Kennedy Brooks uh, opted out. And then Ramondre Stevenson, who rushed for 600 yards last year, is suspended for the next uh, four games because of a, a positive marijuana test before the Peach Bowl last year. So – uh, they're really depleted there at running back, but their offensive line uh, returned a lot of guys. I mean, this is an Oklahoma offense that that looks like it can still be pretty dominant. And a defense, again, it was Missouri State, but they did shut them out, and that's the first time in five years they've had a shutout. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's at this point, it's still really easy to just say this is OU's uh, league by default here, you know. But uh, you know, I I'm I'm sure you saw. What Texas did in their first game too, and I know that's not a that's not a very credible opponent there in, in playing UTEP, one of the worst in FBS, but still more credible than Missouri State. Very much so. Um, <laughs> it's it's still it's it's a pretty interesting first impression by Texas the way they played against UTEP. Um, you've been wondering kind of how the new coordinators Mike Yersich and, and Chris Ash how that whole deal would gel in this really tumultuous offseason. Um, Tough to tough to install and be really you know really crisp as you get going here in September, but Texas looked really good, and uh, you know Sam Ellinger certainly looks like he's a, a extremely natural fit uh, for what Mike Yersich wants to do offensively and and the tweaks they've made there. And I don't know where are you are you when you hear like this kind of hype on Texas again the annual sort of early season hype on Texas. Do you roll your eyes a little bit, or do you think this um, one's a little different, Jason? I do roll my eyes a little bit, uh, only because I guess I, this is just feels like it's been a pattern for so long. We talk about Texas, we hype Texas up, they start in the top ten or top fifteen, and then they lose four games. Um, and on top of that, I was skeptical of Texas for what you just said. I mean, they have so many new assistant coaches, they have new coordinators. Yeah. I'm not sure there is a team in America that needed spring more than Texas did. That that ne- that needed the spring to to install their stuff to get their yeah, players I mean, used other, to their other new than coaches. A first year coach like Dave, like yeah, yeah I agree. I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. And so that's why I was was skeptical on top of my just annual skepticism of Texas and Texas A and M. To be honest, those are the two teams I'm always skeptical of in the preseason when people are talking them up. Um, I get but, that. It's kind of a believe it when I see it kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But I know they're talented, and I know Sam Ellinger is a good quarterback. And, uh, yeah, they looked really impressive. I think they're going to be a handful um, for, for the for the Big 12 Conference. I think Oklahoma and Texas clearly look like the class of the league right now. And, yeah. um, you know, I always look forward to that game in uh, the second Saturday of October and maybe even more so uh, – Maybe even more so this week or this year. Yeah, I, I, uh, boy, that that is going to be a unique atmosphere this year in the history of that rivalry. But um, I think the game on the field is going to be as good as it's been in, in quite a while. I think these these teams are both on a collision course here for sure. And now to a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Homefield. This episode of One True Pod is brought to you by Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. We're talking incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. 
Homefield only makes the most comfortable vintage college apparel, digging through the archives to create designs that are thoughtful and have meaning. I was looking around at some of their Big 12 products. Right now, they've got Baylor and Iowa State. These are really cool designs, old school logos, really neat stuff for diehard fans. Homefield currently makes apparel for more than 90 schools, and if Homefield doesn't currently have your school, it probably is trying to get licensed. You can get your favorite school's apparel on the most comfortable fabrics at homefieldapparel.com. Homefield is adding new schools all the time and announcing them with its big new Saturday launches on Twitter at noon Eastern. You can follow them at Homefield Apparel. That's Homefield Apparel without the last E. So Homefield A-P-P-A-R-L on Twitter. So show some school spirit for your favorite teams or your alma mater. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use the code BIG12 for 20% off your first purchase. That's homefieldapparel.com, code B-I-G-1-2 for 20% off your first purchase today. Jason, how about we, since we, we know there's a clear top two in the Big 12, or at least we feel like there is right now, how about we talk about the wild cards in this race. No, the brakes! Guys, why aren't the brakes working? Because I cut the brakes! Wild card, bitches! Yeah! Okay, I promised uh, that we would try to limit the always sunny talk, but gosh, how can we not use that clip? Man? Why would you why would you lie to the people like that? It's we're gonna do it. <laughs> we're gonna do it. We're Honey gonna and vinegar, do it. man. We, this, is, this is what we do best. Yeah, that that's absolutely correct. So um, no, I, I think that's a, the wild cards of this league are fascinating because there's a ton of second year coaches in this league. There's a first year coach in Dave Aranda, who I think is very interesting to see sort of what he's able to do. I, I, I may veer off track here for just a second, but I do have to say Matt rule, the job he did at Baylor, mm-hmm. I, I, I think is on par. If he'd stayed there for longer, I think we would talk about that on par with Bill Snyder. I really do. Um, I, I think that what the the mess, the dumpster fire that he inherited, and just the bad vibes around that program, and he was able to turn Baylor into a really likable program that was easy to cheer for in two three years. Yeah, incredibly impressive. Well, I mean, Matt you Rule. Saw and I'm sad the Big Twelve lost him. To be honest, I really certainly am. yeah enjoyed covering Matt Rule for sure. And I mean, you saw when they came to Norman in 2018. And just got boat raced, and you saw how different they looked in 2019 when they got that thing rolling. Um, Baylor's an absolutely fascinating wild card to me. Um, they, I've kind of come full circle on them a little bit. At the start of the off season, you say they're losing all their dudes on defense, um, nine of their starters. You're losing Denzel Mims. You're losing that whole staff. Um, you're just completely starting over, you know, pretty much, and uh, you know, with very few holdovers coaching wise, and then you know, then this offseason hits. And so you think, man, this is year zero for, for, for Dave Aranda, who's a first-time head coach who's never done this before. And I think they've come out – I mean, look, we haven't seen him play still. So, you know, when when they do get on the field, I guess we'll have a lot better sense of where they're at. But I think they handled this offseason about as well as they could have. Um, I think I've all the reports I've heard out of camp from, from Baylor was – you know, this Larry Fedora offense looks really good, and Charlie Brewer, you know, looks like the best he's he's been, and is healthy and he's ready to go. So, um, I'm fascinated to see where they're at. And then, uh, to me, like the big wild card, I, I'm, what do you think of TCU? That that was the next school I I wanted to talk about, Max, um, because I I'm pretty high on TCU because they're one of those teams that. Yeah, they didn't have a great season last year, but they never stay down for long. Gary Patterson is one of the best coaches in America, and I think they've got some talent this year. Now, the quarterback question is is the only thing about TCU that I really am curious about how that's going to shake out. I guess Max Duggan has been cleared, but he's not going to start this weekend. Um, you know what? What do you think about TCU? I I have no idea, man. I really don't. I there's like. Bottom line, kind of have a hard time seeing, you know, TCU have like a third, you know, kind of mediocre season in a row. Kind of have a hard time picturing that. Um, I I think they've got the offensive firepower with adding J.D. Spielman from Nebraska, from adding Zach Evans, from some of the guys they've developed and the young guys they have. Um, and defensively, I think they're they're pretty stacked. We probably didn't talk enough about their defense this summer and just what they're bringing back. 
um, with Garrett Wallow and Trayvon Morg and, and Ardarius Washington and, and O'Shawn Mathis. They could be really, really good defensively, but the quarterback thing is a, a complete mystery. And even Max Duggan coming back this week makes it still a complete mystery to me. Uh, Matthew Downing's going to start. Uh, we haven't seen him play, you know, really at all for, for TCU. Uh, Walk on came from Georgia. And I just, I don't know. I really don't know. They could, you know, they, they're a home dog this week against Iowa State. And they, you know, we've, we have no idea what it looks like. They come, could, could come out in that game and roll them. And suddenly we're talking about TCU looks like a top 25 team that we were all sleeping on. I want to know how the, the teams that haven't played yet, like Baylor and TCU, yeah. that have had games canceled, is, is that going to make them play worse? Or is that gonna? Or are they gonna come out ready to just kick ass? I don't. I don't really know what to expect from teams that haven't played yet. That that's what makes those two specifically so interesting to me. Well, yeah, and certainly, given everything, I mean, Oklahoma State had more production returning than anybody in this conference, and so you would have thought they'd be a great candidate with who they're playing to come out and just kick ass in their first game and roll and remind everybody why, you know, they look like they have a top 15 team. Um, and you just saw all the different ways they struggled uh, offensively. Um, it's a, it's a great question, man. It, it really is. Um, I, I think Baylor has a big advantage in that, you know, people don't really totally know what they're going to look like. I mean, it's an offense that's going to have some Larry Fedora UNC elements. It's going to have some LSU off, uh, offensive elements from 2019. Um, you know, Charlie Brewer's really comfortable in what they're doing. And then defensively, it's, you know, LSU and Louisiana Lafayette and Baylor combined. And so that's a hard thing to prepare for. It's when you, especially when you have no tape of it still. And, uh, I think that's a, that's a big advantage for them. And then for TCU, I just assume they're going to be a really well prepared team, but maybe the quarterback thing and the fact that you haven't had Duggan and, and Downing has had to miss some time from, from quarantining, Maybe that's a little bit sloppy to start off. I, I genuinely have no idea. And, you know, while we're on the subject of potential wild card teams, these aren't teams I expect to win the league or anything, but they're two teams with second-year coaches that I really like, Matt Wells and Neil Brown, West Virginia and uh, Texas Tech and West Virginia. Mm-hmm. These are two programs you're really familiar with. Um, what do you make of them? What do you expect from them? Because I – Texas Tech, I thought would be better than they were last year, and that Houston Baptist opener was was pretty bad. I mean, that's about the worst game you can play without losing. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, I think for for Texas Tech last year, a lot of close losses, um, just a consistency problem from them, and certainly uh, losing Alan Bowman at the start of year one there um, just made it an uphill deal all season long. Um, you know, people forget Alan Bowman's like leading the country in passing right now, just based off that HBU game. Um, I think he's, I think if he can stay healthy and, and have better luck this year, I think he's going to be awesome. Um, and I think he's got a good enough, good players around him. Uh, but yeah, it's hard to have a good read on Texas tech and just how much their defense can improve. They have brought in a ton of transfers to try and, you know, fix, fix their needs and stuff. Um, and then West Virginia, I think you kind of knew that that was going to be a little bit more of a long, a long haul rebuild for Neil Brown, just based on how much they graduated off of that, that team in, in 2018 that almost played for a big 12 title. Um, I, I, as I've written about this summer, I think West Virginia probably handled all of the challenges of the COVID stuff, you know, as well or better than anybody. I mean, they've really put a lot of thought into it and, and have handled it really impressively. And you can read about that on the athletic if, if you missed it. Um, but uh, I, I do wonder these programs that have taken this seriously and have had good results and, and continue to, you know, does that make a difference? You think Jason and maybe you, the difference between winning four games and winning six games? Yeah, I, I, I think so because if you're handling it well, then that means that you're, I would assume that means you don't have a ton of guys missing practice. And that's where I think things can get sort of sloppy, but um, yeah. And, and then I just think the, the mental, um, side of, of knowing that you haven't had a t- ton of guys miss, knowing that you haven't maybe had to postpone any games or, or haven't had any position groups get wiped out. I'm sure that is a mental boost. I, I don't know how that translates into wins, especially when you're playing, when you're very overmatched, like West Virginia will be when they play Oklahoma. But could that help them? It's like, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those deals. I think maybe my point is like, 
Yeah. Doesn't like the, the, the healthiest team, the team with the most available players, don't they kind of go into these Saturdays with, with a pretty important edge of this year? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, you, you know, if Oklahoma is missing all the guys they were missing, uh, against Missouri state against, you, you want to tell people about that, that process for you guys in the press box of that one? Cause this, oh, is, yeah. well, this, this is classic yeah. 2020 college football, what we're dealing with, yeah, here, you know, it's going to be like this every week. I already know. I mean, we're so in the press box we're we're, we start sort of as the beat writers and Max, as you know, the OU beat is a you know typically most of us are pretty close, mm-hmm. so we're all just sort of doing our own thing, trying to look through binoculars, see who's out there, and eventually it just sort of became like, why aren't we just doing this together? So we were like in a big group. There were about five of us, and you know, a couple looking through binoculars. I see sixty nine. I see sixty five. I see seventy one, and marking our things. It was just sort of this wild process, and I'm sure it wasn't perfect uh, because you know. But if, if the schools and OU is not going to provide any sort of list of inactives, mm-hmm. so that's what we're going to have to do uh, every week. And uh, I think, you know, maybe we'll have to try to make a game out of it or something. A, a, a little bit of a bingo board, maybe, of you yeah. put a bunch of numbers on it and see who's who, who connects first. I this is, this is why, like, you know, we'll make picks, but it's just so hazardous to do so because mm-hmm. you don't know until the game kick. I mean, I was watching Oklahoma State Tulsa last week, and at the beginning of that game, they're like, oh, by the way, Tulsa's running back, Shamari Brooks, uh, it's tore, tore his ACL in practice. He's out for the season. It's like, okay, well, nobody knew that until the game kicked off, right? right. Um, or their quarterback just came out of quarantine a week ago, right? right. So there's just all this information that, um, you know, we'll we'll do the best we can on this podcast of trying to preview these games, but you just don't know until they walk out on the field and you see, you see who's not suited up. Well, and I think that speaks to – how messy this season is going to be as a whole. I mean, this is, this is, there are going to be games that get canceled or gets postponed. I mean, it's just, it's something that people just probably need to prepare themselves for. And it, and it's, and when it happens, it's going to happen on Friday and it's not going to make a lot of sense probably to a lot of people. Um, and, and I know that the contact tracing stuff doesn't make sense to a lot of people. That is a question I've been answering on Twitter and emails yeah. and those sorts of things for a while. If a guy is asymptomatic and tests negative, why does he have to sit out? Well, because that's just, I mean, that's the situation we're in. That's the and safest it's gonna happen. way you can approach it today as of, you know, based yeah. on the information we have right now. I mean, we have guys, uh, you know, at OU, there, was, there were guys that missed most of t- training camp two three weeks of training camp and never tested positive right and that's and that's just uh the the situation we find ourselves in until there's a uh, a safe reliable vaccine and and all of those sorts of things this is going to be how it's probably going to have to be um yeah. and, and i and i th- i'm sorry go ahead no and 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 this is you know this came up on monday when when baylor ad mac Rhodes was talking about their cancellation that the the this is kind of the hot topic in the conference and in, in all these conferences right now is you know, if you if you're identified as a close contact uh, and you, through contact tracing, you you have to do not only do you have to do a mandatory 14 days, uh, you know, away from activities here, uh, self self quarantine, but you no, it doesn't matter how many times you test negative, you got to serve the whole 14 days. And so, you know, they're trying to figure out: can we get that down to seven? Can we have some threshold where you get three negatives so you're okay? But this is this is part of. Um, the crazy challenge of this is we're still kind of making up the rules as we go here, trying to improve them over time and uh, trying to apply them the best we can here to, to keep this stuff safe. But, you know, folks, folks got to buckle up, man. It's, this is just how it's going to go and it's going to be complicated a lot, but you know, this is the, this is unfortunately, this is the way. It's kind of like, uh, did you ever watch whose line is it anyway, when you were younger? A little bit, yeah. They they said the uh, I think the the thing the the tagline was that the the rules are made up and the points don't matter. I think was the <laughs> was the uh, tagline. <laughs> you know, there's I the, think that's the, what the it second was. part of that is honestly probably a good lesson for like this whole season. Like, um, we kind of like are gonna have to throw out the records and throw out the final scores on this stuff because it's just gonna get weird, man. There's just gonna be a bunch of teams in this conference that go six and four. And it doesn't mean they had a terrible team. It doesn't mean they had, you know, and that probably will be perceived as a disappointing season. 
But you know, I mean, from watching this conference year after year, I mean, half the games in league play last year were decided by seven points or less. There's just going to be a lot of random results here. And I mean, we don't even know what the rules are on bowl eligibility at this point. Like, it's just you 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 try to if you make it to a game, then you succeeded. And whether you win or lose, like, good job. You had a game and, you know, you do the best you can. I got a question for you. I got a scenario. Let's let's just let's speculate wildly about what might happen at the end of the season for just a minute, okay? Okay. Let's say that at the end of the season, Texas is eight and three. Okay, they're eight and three, but Where they're three losses. What are you talking about? The Big Twelve Championship, right? Mm, okay. All right. Right? Yeah. They play. They play eleven I'll games. Keep going. Play, yeah. So they're eight and three. They've won the Big Twelve. And when they're at their best, they look unstoppable, and they look like one of the four best teams in the country. But they lost to maybe a game to Baylor, West Virginia, uh, a Kansas State, an Oklahoma State. Yeah. In weeks when they were just decimated by contact tracing, let's say that they had twenty people missing, and they lost the games. Maybe Sam Ellinger's missing, but when they're uh-huh. at their best, they look like one of the best teams in the country. Is the committee obligated to put them in the 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 field if they think they're one of the best four teams because that's that's the criteria. Well, I'm glad you're bringing up the CFP deal because that part of it, when I say buckle up, like, oh boy, you know, because suddenly we've got the Big Ten saying, don't forget about us. We're, we're showing up to this party and you got to let the Buckeyes into the playoff no matter what. That's the only reason we're having a fall season is to get the Buckeyes into the playoff. Um and you're going to have the Pac-12. I guess we'll see. I mean, don't know when they're going to start playing. Don't many. Don't know how many games they'll be able to play. Don't know how many games the Big Ten will even get in. You know, um, but the Big Twelve. So like that is that is naturally a threat to the Big Twelve having a spot in the playoff. Whereas if it's just the ACC and SEC and Big Twelve, you'd say, all right, Big Twelve champ survived the gauntlet. Good job. You're in the playoff. Um, I think if the Big 12 champ is a two or three loss team, then they're in trouble. And that's like like you said, doesn't mean they're a bad team. They may have lost those games on weeks when their quarterback was out or some you know a bunch of important guys were out. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be tough and that's why I don't know that I feel great about Oklahoma or Texas or anybody in the Big 12 making the playoff just because you just don't have that much room for error and there's going to be a lot of error this year. Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. But I, I, I will be interested to see if the committee takes some of those things into account. Well, that's the fun of the committee, right? Is Now, that yeah. that is there are no rules, right? There literally are no rules with the committee. It's the four best teams as they see it based on whatever criteria they prefer that, that season or that day, you know? Right. So there's probably a part of that, you know? And especially if, like, I mean, dude, if Alabama loses, like, two games – you're going to hear that argument all the time that just look at the games we won. Right. And so, um, it's going to, the debate, like the debate element of that is going to be going strong in November. If we, if we can make it that far for sure. But you know what, Max, that's one of the best things about college football. We get mad, we debate, we yell at each other. And, uh, there's really no correct answer ever in any season, especially this season. So for sure, for (laughs) sure. So what? How do you feel about the the playoff deal? Like, I, like I said, I think this stuff is going to get pretty messy. But having covered this Oklahoma team all offseason, like, do you feel pretty? And having covered a bunch of playoff teams, you 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 can kind of compare those ones to each other. Do you feel okay about Oklahoma as a playoff team right now, or do you still? Yeah. Is there just still a lot more you need to see? There, I think there's a lot more you need to see before you can say for sure. But it, it it's sort of weird, right? It's like. In some ways, Oklahoma has totally earned the benefit of the doubt within the Big 12 Conference because they've won it five years in a row. And even before that, they'd won it a bunch more times than anybody else. So it's like you kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, they've lost some guys. And yeah, they've got a new quarterback. And yeah, the defense has its questions. But you kind of, within the Big 12, we give Oklahoma the benefit of the doubt. Now, the playoff, nationally, nobody gives them the benefit of the doubt anymore. And I don't blame them for not giving them the benefit of the doubt anymore. When you go to the playoff two years in a row and get run out of the building, and I know they came back against Alabama a little bit two years ago, but they still were losing 28-0 in the first quarter. 
Um, and then That's last funny. year, the LSU game, they were never really in that game. LSU was pretty good that day. Yeah, they were. They were. They were solid. They were. <laughs> all right. They were. All right. They showed um, some good things that day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so nationally, I, I don't think they do really get the benefit of the doubt anymore. But when we're talking about Big 12, I, I, I still think they do. And, and it's hard for me to pick against them to win the league, right? It's hard for me to pick against them because they always seem to do it, at least for the well, last and they half always, decade. You know, when they do, you know, with, with the exception of the year when they go play, you know, the New Year's Six game against Auburn, they have this tendency, especially ever since Lincoln got there, that they lose that one, they take that one loss, whether it's Texas or somebody else, and then they just steamroll people after that, right? It, whatever for whatever reason, after that one loss, it gets serious for them, and they go on a run. And so that's what's kept Oklahoma in the playoff is you you keep coming into these with one loss, you know. And so can you, if and when a setback occurs here, can can Oklahoma keep doing that, or is it going to be a deal where look, you got guys out for two weeks and you take two losses, and it's hard to kind of build that momentum back up again to be just the undisputed Big 12 champ. And then, Jason, th- th- again, this is why we enjoy covering the teams in this conference and watching Big 12 football. Like, we haven't had a Big 12 title game since it came back where the um, underdog won the game, right? Could this be one of those years where things get all screwed up in the Big 12 title game? That's true. Since the Big 12 title game came back, you're right. There haven't been any upsets. Uh when was the last Big 12 championship game upset? Like, period. Was it Kansas State OU in 03? Oh, geez. No, there's... Well, well. Oh, uh, let's see. In 07, Missouri was ranked number one, and OU you beat them. a question but... we don't know the answer to. Now these listeners are going to think we're idiots. Because it's fun. Because it's fun. OU beat Missouri. Uh, Missouri was ranked number one in 07, and OU had... but OU had already beaten them, and OU was also a top 10 mm-hmm. team. So that wasn't a huge upset. And I'm not even sure what the point spread was. Maybe I shouldn't have asked that question without researching it. It's the first pod, okay? We're allowed a little leeway, right? Some, somebody's, probably a lot of people are listening to this and screaming at us that we're, we're fools for not remembering this. Well, okay, 2010, was Oklahoma favored over Nebraska? I think so. Mm, I don't know. Oh, this is fun. Wow. Okay, so... We're really showing just, our asses on this on? one. Yeah, let's, keep, let's move on. <laughs> uh, it won't be this bad most weeks, guys, I promise. Yeah, we're still getting warm, um, you know? This, you, you're not best performances from Big 12 teams to start the season, and you're not certainly not getting it from us. Before we get back to the show, let's take a break to hear a quick word from Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash 1-O-N-E to complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash 1-O-N-E today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash one. GetRoman.com slash O-N-E. Let's do picks. Do you want to do picks? Let's do picks. Uh, how do you want? Do you want to go back and forth? Let's go back and forth. You start with you start with Kansas State, Oklahoma. Let's see. You go okay. first. All right. Kansas State, Oklahoma. As you said, Sooners 27.5 point favorite. This is the 11 o'clock game on Fox. I'll take Oklahoma. I, man, it would, that would just take a, I feel like that would take a ton of turnovers on the K-State side for that to turn into a four touchdown deficit. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that would take really sloppy play. So I don't think Oklahoma covers, but I'll take Oklahoma. What do you got? Same thing. I, I don't think uh, OU will cover that 27 and a half, um, but, but I do think they win. And I think they win relatively comfortably. I think they win by a couple touchdowns. Moving on to Iowa State TCU, which is the best game of the weekend, I think, in the Big Twelve. It's not even probably particularly close. Um, these are two teams that that I think are are real uh, 
we thought before the season could potentially be upsets, be those wild card teams. Um, it's in Fort Worth. Max, how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I think you certainly curious to see. You know, Iowa State was missing Charlie Kohler, their their All America tight end against Louisiana. You certainly curious to see if they can get him back. Um, that really completes their passing game. Um, uh, I'm going to pick Iowa State. I don't feel good about it. Uh, I don't like the TCU's a home dog, um, and I just don't like that we haven't seen anything from TCU. I, I you know, I'm, I'm sure they've not just been you know sitting around here for the last few weeks. I'm sure they're ready to go um, and ready to fire away. And so, uh, I think if you pick TCU, that'd be smart on your end. I just think Iowa State, having played a game uh, and and put stuff on tape, figured out what they need to fix, I think that gives them a little bit of an advantage in what should be a really close game. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I yeah, I, I could see this going either way. I do have to say about Charlie Kohler, you mentioned him. Uh, you know, I think the state of schools in the state of Iowa should always recruit their tight ends from Norman, Oklahoma. George Kittle, Charlie Kohler, it's a pretty impressive uh, yep. run there of yep. uh, of guys going to the state of Iowa from Norman. Anyway, um, yeah, I I like TCU. I think because it's it's in Fort Worth. Um, I really have been high on TCU now for a while, so they haven't and they haven't done anything yet to make me question that the way that Iowa State has. So maybe that's why I'm leaning TCU. Um, but I think this could be a really good game, and I, and I don't expect Iowa State to stay down uh, at all because of uh, because of their the history uh, with with Iowa State and what they did, like we talked about earlier. All right, let's get to the Longhorns. They're going to Lubbock. Uh, okay. Lubbock is famously not a difficult place, or is a difficult. Whoa, my God, pardon me. Lubbock is a famously difficult place to play. Uh, mm-hmm. I do wonder about the fans there, if, how much the fans being... Uh, yeah, it's, uh, Sam Ellinger joked this week that uh, it'll be nice that there will only be 25% as many tortillas as usual being tossed around. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, I, I think this this uh, this is a, another chance for Texas to prove kind of that they belong in that upper echelon and nationally. What, what do you think about this one? Uh, gosh, another one where I don't know that the, the team covers, uh, honestly. Um just not to say, I, I don't think Texas Tech's terrible. Um, I just think they, they didn't do a good job finishing against HBU uh, and were just a little too inconsistent last year. And that showed up again in this one. Um, I should plug, I got a story coming out on Thursday on The Athletic about uh, one of the interesting matchups within this game, which is a Texas Tech linebacker Colin Schooler against his brother, Texas wide receiver Brendan Schooler, the two grad transfers from Arizona who've just had a really crazy month since uh, leaving when the Pac-12 shut down to go find a place to play. So hope hope folks check that out. I think that within the game will be fun to watch. Um, I think Texas Texas has had a hard time in Lubbock these past couple trips. Um, they needed a kind of a Hail Mary, um, you know, crazy play to, to little Jordan Humphrey to win in Lubbock last time. That was a night game. Helps Texas that this is not a night game, naturally. I don't think people like playing in Lubbock at night. Um, I think Texas will win – but I do think uh, I do think this will be close uh, in the second half, and um, you know, just as it was close in the first half last year. See, I, I think I'm gonna go opposite here. I think Texas covers. I, I just don't. I, I'm not impressed with Texas Tech so far, and and I am really impressed with Texas. And yeah, um, I I really really think with Yursich, Sam Ellinger has a chance to really take a step up this year. Not that he was bad before, right? Um, but but I'm I'm really interested to see how how Sam Ellinger continues to pro, uh, progress with, with Mike Yersich. So I will take the Longhorns to cover that game. Moving to uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma, West Virginia at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State coming off, we've already talked about, a very um, less than stellar performance. Questions about Spencer Sanders. Take it away, Max. <laughs> yeah, I. The thing, the thing that's tough is, you know, even if Spencer Sanders can play, uh, you know Jason from watching him pretty close up. I mean that the way that that dude can run the ball and stretch a defense and really add a, a different dimension to their offense is really special. And so if you take that away, if that dude's just trying to be a pocket passer and not trying to move and trying to play through injury, um, I do think that limits them a little bit offensively. Um, and and I think that what they they showed on the offensive line. I'm not saying that's going to be the case all season long, but it was concerning, and they've got some work to do up there. So. I think West Virginia 
Um, they've got the guys up front to get after them. They've got Darius Stills. The, the, the Stills brothers, I think, can uh, can have some success here. Um, I think Oklahoma State will win, but I I think West Virginia may surprise people a little bit. And you saw they put up a ton of points in their opener, but I think West Virginia is better here in year year two, and uh, and is is going to be a tough out. So, do you think that OSU covers the eight and a half or no? Uh, what quarterbacks plan? You know, yeah. Because yeah. we, I mean, look, I think Illingworth threw. Yeah. I think Illingworth threw like seven passes in that game. I mean, we just we don't know. You know, I think um, I don't think they cover. Is, is I guess is what I'll go with. And if they come out and say. Uh, who they've got, you know, uh, starting this game on Friday, I guess I'll have a better sense. But right now, I just don't know. See, I'm kind of with you there. I, I actually don't know that I think Oklahoma State covers. And it's kind of for the reasons you said. I think West Virginia has a good chance to maybe get some pressure on on them. I think Oklahoma State's offensive line is very suspect. Um, we still don't know. We still don't know how good this team is, and we don't know how good West Virginia is either. I mean, it's still early in the season, but and at this point, still I, I don't to, think... Yeah, I mean, yeah. West Virginia is still trying to replace their D.C. Vic Kenning and, and still trying to figure out what they're doing defensively a little bit. Yeah. And so it could be that Oklahoma State just kind of does what they have to do offensively to light them up a little bit and, and pull away, but Yeah, maybe so. I, I, I think I'll pick Oklahoma State to win, but not to cover. And finally, it's a team we have not talked about at all in this entire podcast yet, and I am very sorry to the Kansas Jayhawks fans out there. I, I is this don't gonna be like even... a like the uh like the Lindsey Buckingham thing in uh on on SNL with um oh my god, what is that called? What's up with that? Where they just they always run out of time for him? Or like Matt Damon on Jimmy Kimmel. Have you uh, any yeah, of these yeah, references like landing Damon, with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well the the okay. I, I don't know the the Lindsey Buckingham. I know who that is, but I okay. don't know what you're referring oh, to. Boy. The Jimmy Kimmel Matt Damon one definitely resonates with me. Okay. Um and, and I I am I do sincerely apologize to Jayhawks fans. If you've made it this far, I'm very impressed. Yeah. Um they're playing uh, at Baylor, seventeen Let, can, point can, spread. Let's, let's also say this about Kansas, okay? Okay. I I just want to start the push here. I I I think a lot of people are with me on this. Can we get more Kansas games at 9 p.m., 9.30 p.m.? Sure. Why not? Because until the Pac-12 comes back, if they even come back, we're really missing – like tonight. this week's late game is Troy at BYU, okay? And, and you don't want to stay up all night watching Troy-BYU, right? But you will, and I will. But we, I, we will. will. We will because we love it. But yeah. if we could get more Kansas football – at late at night, like we did against Coastal Carolina, I'd be all for that. Like, just carve out. You can own the nine thirty time slot. Your fans will be nice and rowdy that that are able to go. Um, why can't we get that going, Kansas? Give Jeff Long a call and pitch that to him. You know him better than I do. Can you help me out here? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff. If Jeff Jeff Long, if you're listening, make make this happen. Make this happen. No, uh, be the kings of nine thirty. I mean, th- there's a window of opportunity here, and you know these SEC and ACC schools are not going to take it. Yeah, do something to differentiate yourself. It's like you know when you hear coaches say they're going to install a funky offense to sort of throw people off and be different, recruit different guys. Uh, let's Kansas go on play at nine thirty. Be, be, be part the of your Hawaii thing. of this season. You know what I mean? Be the yeah. team that. Everyone just kind of develops a little bit of an obsession with watching, you know? Yeah. Uh, all seriousness, they play Baylor. Baylor's favored by 17. It's in Waco. I think Baylor will probably cover that pretty easily. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I think so too. Um, just, you know, just the preparation level from Kansas' defense against Coastal was just really concerning. I'm not saying their staff doesn't know what they're doing or anything like that. It's just... I think those players, just the execution there was pretty concerning. And you have a couple weeks to, to fix that and stuff. But um, I just think, as I said before, we have no idea how Kansas is going to play. I think that's a really big disadvantage for Kansas this week in having a good plan. It's going to require a lot of in-game adjustment. And I just think Baylor has that upper hand. And I think I think, I think think we're going to see, like I said, I could be dead wrong on this, but I think Baylor's offense can be pretty productive. I think their running back duo is underrated. Uh, I think their receivers, starting with Taekwon Thornton, um, they've got some players there, and I think I think Charlie Brewer is is pretty fired up about where they're going offensively. It's more like what he ran at Lake Travis in high school, and I think they're going to put a, a, a lot of points this year. Uh, yep, yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. Well, Max, we made it. We did it. We got the first podcast done. How do you feel? 
You know, it's funny. Like, I don't know if you've had this experience on, on uh, like doing radio hits and stuff this year, but like, I haven't had TweetDeck open this whole time. So, like, I just really pray that there hasn't been like a bunch of things canceled <laughs> while we've been doing this that, like, just really totally invalidated all the things we just talked about. It's, we'll have, you have to, to be we'll so have careful. To, we'll have to just re record the whole thing. A lot, lot of, you know, a lot of twists. <laughs> Got to keep up, you know? Yeah, that's right. That's- <laughs> Uh, another always sunny uh, reference. If you're if you're a diehard like we are, you would get that one. But uh, sincerely, thank you to everyone who listened, who who made it this far in this uh, this first episode. We really appreciate it. We're gonna have a lot of fun this year talking about this crazy league, and um, we're we're really happy to have you all along for the ride. So please subscribe and rate and review and do all those things that that you know podcast hosts ask you to do. Do that for us. Yeah, show some love, people. Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, guys. We'll be back next week. Thank you.